Heavenly Father, you are mighty, you are loving, you are amazing, Lord. Oh, yesterday, God, was a war. Oh, Lord, in my soul and wrestling with the scriptures, God, my flesh and my feelings, God. But you, like always, you came through, Lord, and you delivered me. You poured in your word inside of me, God, and brought me to revelations and joy and understanding that I didn't have before. So I say thank you for that, Lord. And as God, as I speak now, Lord, let me speak as I ought to, Lord, God. And not only that, Lord, will you open the ears and the hearts of my brothers and sisters to receive your truth, Lord. Minister to them, God. Help them to see you and come closer to, the, to you through your word. This is my hope and prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our today, the, the title of today's teaching is a defense against falsehoods and heretical teachings and influencing. So that's, that's the title, a defense against falsehoods and heretical teaching and influencing. So today we'll look at our defense. What is the Christian's defense against falsehoods as shown in verse 14 and 15? So that's, that'll be what we're looking at today. So let us read Ephesians 4. We'll start in verse 11 and then we'll go on down to verse 15. And I, I keep reading this over and over and I read extra verses one so that this verse can just get stuck in your mind because you're constantly hearing it over and over and hopefully it begins to just stick. So that's why I'm constantly reading the same verses every time I come up here. I really want it to stick. So the word of God reads Ephesians 4, looking at verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists for the equipping um, sorry, some as pastors, or some as evangelists, and some as pastors and, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, key verse here. As a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Verse 15, key verse here. But, I love this, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Even Christ. So our key verses here, verse 14, as as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. Amen. Church, and there's this new term in our society that has grown in popularity. It's a term that has grown in social cachet. It's, it's a word that if it's bestowed upon you, it, it means that you have made it. It means that you have arrived. And that word is influencer. Influencer. More particularly, a social influencer. And, and the reason they are called influencers is, well, it's, it's in the name, right? They influence people. They influence a lot of things that's happening in society. In the past, for those who are not familiar with this term, uh, an, an influencer was an athlete. 
So think Michael Jordan or, or think some type of pop star or, or an actor or an actress, right? They were influencers. Why? Because so many people looked up to them. And so they had influence on anything throughout life, what they thought mattered to most people. And so they would influence people to think a certain way or to do certain things. But as of now, because of the advent of social, social media, this term influencer has widened. It not only includes athletes and pop stars and actresses, but an influencer can be, guess what, your regular everyday person with a large social media presence or follower. Think, for example, Kim Kardashian, right? Some of you know, she, Kim Kardashian, she's just an influencer. That's who she is. No real talent, no gift. She just has influence, right? I know, that just sounds... <laughs> she's famous for being famous. Really, that's just really what it is. And so, Kim Kardashian... <laughs> I know... <laughs> So Kim Kardashian, she has millions and millions of followers across, followers across all social media platforms. And a few years ago, I remember hearing a, a story where it says that Kim Kardashian gets $20,000 for a tweet. So if, a, if, a, if somebody wanted to market their product, let's say a lipstick, if Kim Kardashian just mentions their product on her Twitter feed, her Twitter line, she gets $20,000 just for mentioning it. Why? Because advertisers know that if Kim Kardashian tweets something, it's going to go all the way around the world and it's going to reach millions and millions of people. And so they see that as a bang for their buck. So she gets $20,000. Why? For inflation influencing people to buy this product. But it's not just our buying behavior, behavior that are the target of influencers. It is also our morality. It is also our Christian doctrine and our orthodox teaching and our views about Jesus and who he is and what he did. See, long gone are the days when people sought, and this is sad, but long gone are the days when people sought out advice from mom and dad and coach and pastor to deal with significant life issues and spiritual issues. But now that random person on social media with five million followers now has the ears of many folks, including many Christians. So what do we do here? What is the solution? What do we do? We live in this world that is littered with influencer people having all types of teachings and all types of doctrines, doctrines that are coming at Jesus, doctrines that are attacking the, the, the deity of Jesus, doctrines and teachings that are attacking our, our Bible, all types of teachings. What do we do? What is our solution here? What is the Christian's defense? Well, one school of thought is Christians should run and hide and, and form their own Christian enclaves and create more Christian bubbles and more Christian private schools and create our own Christian social media platforms and really just insulate ourselves from the world. And there is some wisdom in some of those actions. I'm not discounting all of them. But I want you to consider the Bible's answers to our culture that is littered with influencers. What is the defense that the Bible gives us for false teachers and false doctrines and the evil trickery, cunning trick, tricks of man to deceive the church and, and take down Jesus and discredit the Bible? What is the Bible's defense for these different schemes of man that come in different forms? As I mentioned last week, 
The schemes of man don't come just directly at you, but they come in a form of cartoons. Last week I mentioned, I seen an episode of the Muffets, right? Where they were pushing a transgender uh, agenda. Making a Godzo, I forget his name, is it Godzo? Yeah, they were turning him into Godzarella. Gonzo. So we, we see even there, we see this deception of men. And so the Muffets are using their loud, their large platform to push a doctrine, to push a teaching. But the deception does not just stop there. The deception and attack on Jesus, on the Bible, it comes in song lyrics. It can also come from the mouth of your favorite athlete in a post-game interview that is reviewed by millions. There's so much deception out there. But what is the Bible solution? What is the scripture solution again to this false teaching that if held onto will carry you away like a bottle is in the ocean, will carry you away from God? What is the Bible's defense? Well, verse 14 in our text gives us the answer to the Bible's defense. Verse 14 says, as a result, we are no longer to be children. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Let me give you the NIV's translation of verse 14. They, they translated this, this way. Then we will no longer be infants. So as a result of the church or, or Christians operating within their gifts and helping believers to attain to this unity of the faith and helping believers to get epinosis of the Son of God and coming to Christ-like maturity, he's saying that we will no longer be children impacted by the world, but we will be people solid and standing for Jesus. See, that's what he's showing us here in, in verse 14, that the people here in verse 14 who are being tossed to and fro by the winds of every new doctrine and teaching and deceitful schemes of men are metaphorically children, and not just children, but children who have not been impacted by the gifts of the church that bring about the unity of the faith, that bring about the epinosis of the Son of God and Christ-like spiritual maturity. And so they're now children tossed to and fro. Now, before I move on, I, I want to say that I am aware that there are many Christian households that will say, hey, but I raised my child in the church. All they know is God, but yet the winds have taken them too. And I will say, yes, I get that. And maybe there are some nuances to this verse, but in general, in general, the people who are carried away through bad teaching were not a part of a church, generally where all the gifts were exercised. And in many cases, they were not introduced to the real Jesus. Let me give an example of what I mean. There's a Christian rapper, I'm going to say Christian rapper, air quote, that I used to listen to. I love this guy. He was solid in his theology, really just biblical in his, in his lyrics. But he recently converted to Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew Israelism, black Hebrew, Israel, uh, black Hebrew Israelism. So there's this new, it's not new, but it's been around, but it's really gaining momentum. It's a new religion, if you will. Um, they're called Hebrew Israelites or black Hebrew Israelites, and they believe that they are the true Israelites. But anyways, this, this Christian rapper that I, that I love has now converted to Hebrew Israelism. And in his, in his uh, deconversion story on YouTube, he says something that really just caught me off guard. And I said, oh, that is the reason what ha why, what happened. And, and he says this. This was the thing that he said that really caught my attention. He said that he and his wife had not been to church in like three or five years. And so I'm like, wait, 
Now, first of all, well, you've been making a really good music. You haven't been to church in three or five years. But then the next thing I said, wait, you haven't been a part of a church to see the gifts at work in you and others in three or five years? Then I said, wait, you haven't been under the authority of a pastor who was called to shepherd your soul? And, and wait, all you've been doing is just Bible studies with your wife and maybe reading the Bible with some friends? I said, okay, now I get why he has now been blown away by this new doctrine, this new teaching. See, the church is the pillar and ground of t- truth. That is what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, that the church is the pillar and ground of truth. If you think about it, the church is the one place on earth where you can find many of the gifts of Christ in one place under the same roof at the same time. See, and it's a church that is designed to take a person from a spiritual maturity, immaturity, or from a spiritual babe to maturity. So I'm not surprised that this brother is now being taken away by the winds and the waves and the cunning deceits of man. See, oftentimes when I'm, when I'm talking to a brother or a sister who don't attend church, I often speak to them and they'll say, hey, yeah, I don't attend church. I just kind of read my Bible and do my thing here and there. And one of the first things I do is, one, I take them to Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and I remind them about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Then after that, then I explain to them their habits through a sports analogy. And, And I explain it this way. I say that God has formed a whole team around you. He has gifted different people with all type of gifts with the intention of bringing you closer to himself, of driving you closer to himself and allowing you to grow spiritually. But you, by staying home, you're basically saying, nah, I'm just going to do this myself. And that is the equivalent of, 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 of a Tom Brady, the great quarterback, going and telling this whole team, nah, I don't need you guys. Go to the sideline. I'm going to win the game myself. That, that is the equivalent of what Christians are doing when, when they say, nah, I'm not going to go to church. I'm just going to read my Bible and, and, and just do this myself. They're being the equivalent of Tom Brady telling this whole team, no, I don't need you. I'm just going to win this game myself. Like, who is Tom Brady going to throw to if it's just going to be him? Um, Tom Brady's skill is throwing the ball, but his skill is not catching the ball. So, so who's going to catch the ball? And, and Tom Brady's skill is not blocking. So who's going to block for Tom Brady? And Tom Brady's skill is not running the football. So who's going to run the football? Do you see, in order for Tom Brady to be the great Tom Brady that he is, he needs people operating in their specialty because when they're operating in their specialty, they're now allowing Tom Brady to be the great Tom Brady that he is. And that is the same thing with the church. See, we have to operate in our specialty. And when you operate in your gifts, then I can be everything that God has called me to be, and then you can be everything that God has called you to be. It is the same way. See? It's the same way. We need one another. We need one another to operate in our gifts. That's why I said last week that I need you and you need me. I need you so that I can grow in Christ. I need you and your spiritual gifting to help me gain epinosis of the Son of God. Guess why? Because there are things in your gifting that allows you to see and know things about Christ that I don't. Think about the gift of mercy here. Think about the gift of mercy. You with the gift of mercy, you probably know the mercy of Jesus more than any other. And guess what? It is through you and your gifting, guess what? That I come to have a better understanding of the mercy of Jesus. See, that's why we need the church. I need your gifting and you need me. It's a team unit. It's a team thing that we all work together. 
Now, I want to bring you to this, 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 this new word that, not new word, it's another word that's trending in our society. There's this word that's trending in our society, and, and the words are deconstruction and deconversion. These are two words that are trending in our society right now. And it's trending in our society right now because many people are walking away from the faith or they are deconstructing their faith and they're building, building it uh, back up. And it is my understanding and kind of digging into this issue that the common thread and why people are walking away from the faith or even deconstructing the faith is due to fundamentalism. And when I say fundamentalism, I mean a strict focus on morality only. A strict focus on you have to do this, you need to do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Now, I must say there is a morality and there is an ethic that is tied to the Christian faith, so don't get me wrong. But guess what? Morality and ethics only bring you into one aspect of the heart of Jesus. If I'm only taught morality and ethics, but not the grace and mercy that also comes with Jesus, guess what? Then I am not getting a full picture of Jesus. And this goes back to objective number two of the gifts of Christ's gift. Remember objective number two of the gifts of Christ's gift, which is epinosis of the Son of God. See, some of the people in verse 14 who are being carried away by the winds and the waves of false doctrine and are metaphorically children or people who have never heard about the real Jesus. See, they've only heard about the cultural Christianity. They only heard about the cultural Jesus. They only heard about the conservative Jesus that votes Republican and hates abortion is most concerned about abstinence and low taxes. Or they are taught about the liberal Jesus who, who's all about love and has no real moral ethic and is only concerned about ending racism and feeding the poor and the homeless. See, they have not got a clear picture of the real Jesus. They've not received epinosis of the Son of God. I think one of the reasons that many kids I've come to fall, find are walking away from the faith is because they don't know oftentimes the real Jesus. And that's why we need each believer working through their gift to help show people the real Jesus. I, I read a statistic a, a little while ago that there are many kids walking away from the faith after they graduate high school. They say that I forgot the number. It was, it was pretty high. I wanted to say 7 out of 10. But they were saying that, uh, I think it was 7 out of 10 Christian kids who graduate from high school also graduate the faith as well when they graduate, meaning they walk away from the faith. And one of the reasons they were saying that they walk away from the faith is because these youth, these kids were taught they weren't taught about their faith, right? They, they were taught the faith, but not about their faith. And so when they come into arguments or they hear these fanciful, deceitful arguments of man about evolution and different scientific things, then they fall astray. Why? Because they were not taught about their faith. And I'm bringing all this to say to what I text you, Brother Anton, this is why I text you. We need Christians with your gifting with your apologetic gifting. I need you. I need you to help me so that I can equip my kids so that when they go to school and they hear scientific things, I have things to press back on. We need you speaking that truth because you help us even as parents and raising them up and knowing the true Jesus and knowing their faith. That's why our gifting is so important. It is a unit that we constantly build each other up as we go and follow faith. So this point that I'm, I'm hoping that you're seeing in this 
this, this, this section here in verse 14 is that the Bible's defense to, to false teaching and the deceitful schemes of men which carry people away from God is not to run and hide, but the Bible's defense is the church and it is the gift of the church who help bring people into spiritual maturity where they are no longer children. That is the Bible's defense. Here's the church. That's why he said, as a result, we are no longer to be children. What? As a result of the fivefold ministry, the people who God has given, operating in their gifts, speaking life to the church, giving them truth so that they can do their work of service, and in that, they become strong and spiritually mature and, and no longer children, swayed by the winds and the waves of false doctrine. That's what it means. It's the church. That is God's defense against the false teaching and the heresy that can swift people from side to side. It's the church. It's the gift that he has given his church. That's, that's part of the defense on how we fight against heresy and false teaching in each other. It's the church. It's the gift of the church. Now, this has practical applications for parents raising children like myself. Because in some households, you may have a child who is spiritually advanced, right? In some households, we have children who are spiritually advanced. And because that, ch that child is spiritually advanced, the public school option may be a good thing for that child, right? Because this child is now rooted and grounded in Christ, and they know the truth, and they're not easily swayed by doctrine. So because they've been raised up that way, and they really have a hold of the truth, then a public school option may be a good option for parents. But in other cases, we may have a child that has not spiritually arrived yet. So then you have the homeschool option or the Christian private school option or maybe a carefully researched public school, that may be the option. See, it, it depends on how the child has grown spiritually. And I said all that because I want to share this story that I've shared before that I think is making a point that Paul is making here. In the past, I shared the story of this girl that I went to college with. And some of you have heard the story before. But when I went to college, there was this one girl, Christian girl, and she was this girl that all me and, my, me and my boys, this is BC life. I didn't know nothing about no Jesus, right? So this is BC life. Me and my boys, all we're trying to do is get her. And you guys know what I talk about when I say get her. I hope you can read through the lines, all right? That was our, that was our focus because we didn't got others, right? So it's like, man, somebody got to get her. And so me, me, and my, me and my boys, that's what we would try. But she wasn't having none of it. And not only was she not having none of it, guess what? In the, in the partisan club, she never went. She was never the one smoking or drinking. She was doing none of that. Why? Because this Christian girl, through the gifts of her church, because she was really tied to her church, but through the gifts of the church, she was rooted and grounded in Christ. Her church had raised her up in the word where she wasn't a child and where she wasn't going to get deceived by the doctrines of college life, of getting drunk and getting high and being sexually promiscuous. See, she didn't, she didn't bow down to those doctrines when they came her way. She didn't bow down to the new age teaching that was up there that discredited Jesus and everything. No, she did not bow down. Why? Because she was rooted and grounded in Christ. Why? Because her church, the people in her church operated in their gift and they built her up. Up. Now, see, it would have been a shame for this girl, for, it would have been a shame for her parents to, to make this girl go to some private, small little Christian school and stay in her own little Christian bubble. No, she needed to be on that public cancer, I mean, campus where all the debauchery and all the wickedness was so she can begin to shine like a light and show people that there was another way to where now, 20 years later, I'm still talking about how she influenced me and is now influencing me how I want to raise my child. 
shall. See, she, she is what Paul is talking about here in verse 14. As opposed to her being taken by the waves and moved by different doctrines of men, as opposed to her being influenced, and being influenced by those teachings, she is the one now doing the influencing. And that is point number two that Paul is showing us here, that when the church is on fire and when the church is firing on all cylinders and operating within their gifts, not only will we see mature Christians who are able to stand against the waves of strange teaching and the schemes of men, but instead, as opposed to these Christians being influenced by these false doctrines, these Christians will now be the ones who are doing the influencing, just like Nina. That is why Paul says here in, ver in the B portion of verse 14, he says this, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. So instead of being influenced by the strange teachings, we are now doing the influencing by speaking the truth and love. This is part of our Christian defense against false teaching here. It is speaking the truth and love. Being the influencer versus being influenced. That's what, I almost said her name. For her name is Nina. I, I just said it before. Her name is Nina. Nina, if you ever hear this. Um, <laughs> yes, we was trying to get you. <laughs> But you, you shot us no, and I remember your Bible, all of that. So, praise God for you. Um, so that was her name. But again, she didn't get influenced by the waves of social society. No, she was the one doing the influencing. And that's what we're called to do us in the defense here in the B portion of verse 14. We are, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not 14, 15. But we ought to speak the truth and love to speak the truth in love now i don't know if you know this but there's a whole christian movement around these words here in verse 15 speaking the truth in love uh the guy jeff vanderstelt i may have messed his name up remember he's the guy that started soma which is known for the house church movement right he wrote a book based on these few words here speaking the truth in love and that book is called uh, gospel fluency. I think I've mentioned to this to you all before. The book is called Gospel Fluency. And just like he says, just like you are fluent in a foreign language, Jeff is advocating, and rightly so, that we as Christians ought to be fluent in the gospel, meaning that we can speak the gospel to every aspect of life. And so in short, uh, Jeff, he has this quote. He's saying the gospel fluency is basically this. What's the question? Jesus is the answer. What's the problem? Jesus is the solution. That's, that's gospel fluency where you're speaking the truth in love. It's, the truth is Jesus. So we're speaking the gospel in every aspect of life. And there's a part in his book where he, he gives this short antidote about his, this small group he's in. And so he's in this small group. And in this small group, there's a lady who's having problems with her ex-husband. And she's always coming to the small group and she's just complaining about how bad her husband, her ex-husband is. He doesn't pick up the kids on time and how he was, he's been so controlling. And, and, and Jeff talks about how some of the people in the group would then just kind of jump on a bandwagon and be like, yeah, girl, he didn't deserve you. And like, he, he shouldn't treat you that way. And nobody deserves to treat you that way. And if you don't say nothing, I will because it's just not right and we'll protect you. And then Jeff jumps in and he interrupts. And he, um, what does he say? I wrote it down here. Oh, he jumps in and he erupts and he says this. 
He says this to the group. We need to give Elisa Jesus and not our efforts to change her husband. And so he tells Elisa, you need Jesus to help you overcome your fear. He says, Elisa, you need Jesus to be this, your source of security and love. He tells Elisa, you need Jesus to enable you to forgive and love your ex-husband. You see what Jeff is doing right there? He is speaking the truth and love. Because down in verse 21 of chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says that the truth is in Jesus. And so he's now speaking the truth in love. So part of our defense, again, against the wiles and the waves of false doctrines and the schemes of wicked people, is it is to speak the truth, the truth about Jesus, what Jesus taught, to one another in love. That's, that's speaking the truth in love. And if you remember, the context of Ephesians 4 is the church. So it's the church influencing the church by speaking the truth about Jesus, about speaking the truth about the gospel to one another in love. See, we, we don't speak the truth to one another, our brother and sister in pride, to show them that we are right and they're wrong. No, we don't speak the truth in arrogance to show how much Greek or Hebrew we know. No, we are speaking the truth about Jesus, about the gospel to one another in love. That is part of our defense against the false teaching. That we constantly build each other up and speak the truth of Jesus in love. So when you are counseling your brother and sister, yes, please give them practical advice, but also don't forget to speak Jesus to them. We must speak Jesus to our brothers and sisters in Christ as part of our defense and keeping them growing in Christ and helping them to spiritually mature. That we speak the truth about Jesus to one another. Now there's another person that we have to speak the truth about Jesus to. It's not just to one another, but we have to also speak the truth about Jesus to ourselves. To, to ourselves because like the winds and the waves of false teaching that can carry you far from God, guess what? So too can our own thinking and so too can our own feelings carry us far away from God. So you also, church, have to speak the truth of the gospel to yourselves as a defense against the schemes of the evil one, against our fleshly mind that begins to go all different places, we have to speak Jesus to ourselves. As I always say, we have to preach the gospel to our own souls. We have to remind our souls that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We have to remind our soul that God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son. We have to remind ourselves of these truths of Jesus, that we are saved by Jesus, that we are saved by grace through faith. See, we have to remind ourselves about the truths of the gospel over and over. That is part of our defense against false teaching that wants to carry us away as the winds and the waves do others who are metaphorically children, as Paul says in verse 14. So church, are you speaking the truth of Jesus to yourselves? Are you speaking the gospel to yourselves? Now point number three in our defense against these falsehoods is what the scripture says in the uh, B portion of verse 15. So not only are we speaking the truth and love, but the scripture says as we're speaking the truth and love in verse 15, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, 
even Christ. Even Christ. This Greek word that's translated all aspect is the word pas. And it means, guess what? In each and every way, whichever way, in each and every way, we are told that we are to grow into him. Meaning I need to grow into Christ in my relationship with him, in my understanding in him, but also in looking like him. Meaning I need to grow into Christ and in being more like him in patience. Meaning I need to grow more into Christ and in being like him in holiness and compassion and mercy and giving and devotion to the Father and obedience. I want to grow up into Christ in all aspects, not just having good theology, but I want to be like Jesus in everything every way. That is the past. That is that in every aspect I am to grow into Christ. That is what Paul is encouraging us and giving to us as a defense. I like to explain it like this. Have you ever seen that little scrawny kid, right? A little scrawny small kid who's just little and then you look over and you see his dad and his dad is like this Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot, 300 pound man, right? And so you look at this seven foot, 300 pound man, and you look at this scrawny kid, and you say, okay, this kid ain't even filled out his body yet. This kid has not even reached his potential yet. This kid is going to be a giant like his daddy. That's the same thing us, the church. Right now we are just a scrawny little kid, but our daddy is Christ. He's the one that we're going to look like, but as we begin to use our gifts and we begin to grow, then we're going to grow into looking more like our daddy. We're going to grow and look more like that seven foot of holiness, that 300 pound of power. See, that is the role of the church. To help each other grow into looking like this monster of a man. The measure of the statue of Christ. That is us. Right now we're just this little scrawny guy. We're, we're, just, we're just barely curling the 25s, right? But then one day we're going to be what, Anthony? We're going to have the, the, the 45s on there. We're going to be throwing up 300 pounds, right? We're going to be strong and just swole like Anthony, right? Yeah. But that's as the church does its part. We do our part to help each other reach this level. See, that's, that's the part of the church. We grow into Christ. We help each other grow into Christ. Christ. And you know what our protein is for growing into Christ? The truth, right? We speak the truth in love. It's the truth coming from the fivefold ministry. It's the truth coming from the mouth of our preachers and pastors. It's the truth coming from our small p prophets. It's the truth that is expressed when we operate in our gifts of healing, of helps, of administration, of wisdom, of leadership, of mercy and compassion. It's the truth that those gifts proclaim about Jesus. See, some of us have stunted growths because we have refused to take in the truth. We have taken in the deceitful lies of the world. But no, Jesus is the truth. And that is what we need to drink more of. That is what we need more of. It's Christ. Jesus is the truth. And that is the protein that will grow us into being that swole Anthony Shack sized dude. It's the truth of Jesus. It's the truth of the gospel. So church, I have a question for you. What are you believing? Is it the truth about who Jesus is? Is it the truth about what Jesus can do? Is it the truth about what Jesus has done? Do you believe that Jesus can set you free? Do you believe that Jesus can make you whole? Do you believe that Jesus is king? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that Jesus is God? See, Jesus is the truth. He is our protein. He is how we grow. He is the head that makes the body operate. It's Jesus. 
See, the truth about Jesus and the gospel is our defense. It is what makes us grow. It is what brings us into the unity of the faith. It is what helps us to have epinosis, knowledge of the Son of God. And it is what brings us to be more like Christ in all of our ways, church. That's our defense. So we ought to help each other grow in wisdom and knowledge. We ought to help each other no longer to be babes. To help each other using our gifts that we will push each other to know more of Jesus. And as we know more of Jesus, as we grow in epinosis of the Son of God, as we mature in Christ, guess what? We will not be swayed by the winds, but we will be like Nina. And we will be influencing not just the church, but also the world. That's our defense against heresy, false teachings, and the schemes of wicked man. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth, Lord. Oh God, continue to minister to your people as they go throughout their day. Bring revelation and deeper understanding of the text we looked at today, God. Minister to each person, Lord. Showing them how you have shaped them and molded them. The gifts that you have given them for the sake of your church, for the work of service. Help them understand that, Lord God. Help them to see how vital they are to your body. God, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.